Hey friends, uh, I'm back with another episode. I literally just ended recording the other one. Um, before we get into this one, I want to mention a little workflow tweak that that I've made for the uh, to this podcast to make my life even easier. So um, <laughs> I suck at doing chores. I've talked about this before, and this podcast is a good example of something that I, when I started it, I set out to make uh, it as to remove as much friction as possible from me recording and putting out these episodes. I like to talk to a mic. That's the easy part. I don't like to export files and edit files and go to URLs and click my mouse on things and wait for things. I don't like that. And I don't like writing descriptions and stuff like that. Um, So I've made my life as easy as it could possibly be. My workflow for this is I, uh, as easy as I thought it could be, my workflow is record um, audio, and I do that with ScreenFlow. I just hit record. And then the exporting is really simple. I don't do any editing at all. I just hit smooth audio levels. I wait a second, and then I export the file. Then um, I go to Simplecast, and I create a new episode. I create a title and description. I upload it, and I hit save. And now my Laravel app, so Simplecast figures out the rest, and I pull on the Simplecast API so that the podcast section of the Livewire website automatically pulls it, which is great. So I don't have to like refresh the Livewire website, which I had to do before, but I fixed it so that I don't have to do that. Um, but I made my life even easier because what would happen is, uh, here's a secret. There's a ton of these episodes that I never put out. Not a ton, but there's a good amount. Because what I'll do is I'll record like three of them, and then I'll be too lazy in that moment to publish them all. And then I'll forget about them. And then too much time will pass and I'll lose interest in them. And I'll never put them out there. And it's easier for me to just, you know, burn them and and, and do something else. Um, so I decided this time, before I hit record, I'm going to go to simplecast.com. I'm going to write the title, then the description, then record. And I think that's actually going to help me because the podcast that I recorded a second ago is already published. I already hit publish before I recorded this one. So anyway... Um, thanks for that little aside. I mean, there's, there's a lot of lessons there, at least for me about workflow. It's like front load the annoying work so that you never find yourself in that procrastination position. I basically have to design my life around my nature to procrastinate. I can use it as leverage the same way. This is funny. The same way that dusk is the, the bad thing about dusk is both the good. It's the good and the bad thing about dusk. The unique, the different thing about dusk is both it's good and it's bad thing, you know? And this is kind of similar as like, I'm a procrastinator and that's both, I can leverage that to be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I think I use my tendency to procrastinate or I'm probably not using the right word, but like um, I rise to occasions. So if I want to get something done or do something that I'm proud of, I have to sign up for something. I have to put myself in a pickle. Basically, I have to say like, I'm going to do a talk at this conference or I'm going to launch this thing by X date or whatever. I have to, I have to commit to something. Um, and then I'll be scrambling, you know, to get it done and you know, whatever, but it will get done. And that's how I work best, I guess. So anyway, anytime I can front load the, the, um, the work, uh, the better, cause then I don't have to deal with my procrastinating self. All right. What are we at here? We're almost halfway through this episode and I haven't even started talking about what I want to talk about. I want to talk about, uh, I'm addicted to impossible problems. So Oh, here's what I've been finding myself doing lately. So I have a plan for Livewire version two. Um, that's just sort of, I've been, you know, tossing around for a long time, all these little features that I've wanted to add. And some of them I could do with the current version of Livewire and that would be fine. 
Um, but I might have to deal with like a not ideal API because I don't want to make breaking change because I can't make breaking changes in this version or some of them are impossible in this version. You know, there's things, whatever they roll around, but now I'm ready. I got this big list of version two features and what I'm finding is, so I like to dream basically the, the, the key to good programming for me is uh the infamous or the the famous adam wathen he taught me this basically um or i don't know but yeah he uh, whatever like design the api you what is it designed by wishful thinking basically like write the api you want to consume so that's basically been the guiding light for livewire and if you've listened to this for any amount of time you know that that's that is how i operate with livewire is i first i start with the experience to the developer that's where i start and I put so much emphasis on that. Um, that is Livewire's ethos is start, uh, you know, a beautiful, easy, simple, magical developer experience, something that um, is intuitive. I want to make Livewire work the way you would guess it works. So it's really important to me to know what people think it should do and how they would guess things work. So you know all that stuff. I've talked about that. Um, so here's the thing. Livewire is a complex tool. It's a kind of different technology that's very is very different than a lot of other technologies because liveware itself spans across two stacks it's php and javascript tool and it blurs that line as you know um, so there's a bunch of complexity there and there's things that you might be used to doing in laravel that are difficult to impossible to do in livewire because of the nature of livewire because it's live and it has to live and change over time on a page where normally Laravel just runs for page load and that's it. Um, so anyway, and in JavaScript, whatever, there's just lots of impossible things that I come across and most impossible things in the past I have overcome. And I've done this so many times that I now get this high from it where whenever I encounter something that's impossible now, I almost believe that it's possible somehow. You know, even if I, even if I know like it's like pretty much impossible because of all the experiences I've had where things that I thought were impossible. I've just like pushed, 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 talk to friends, talk to friends, brainstorm, brainstorm, think about it forever. I've gotten past. I now kind of think that way about stuff. So anyway, I'm saying that I'm addicted to impossible problems because I have written out all of these things I want for V2. And the only ones I'm interested in working in are the ones that are impossible to me that I don't know how to do at all. All the other ones are, to me, it's just an eventuality. Like, I guess when you get so familiar with a tool and I just design like the API that I want for a new feature, if I know how it's going to work, like I generally have an idea of like how it's going to work. Like, oh, I'm going to need to put some code here and put some code here and do this and this and that. And once I run through that in my head, the work is boring to me. At least it's not once I get into it, but it's, it's not an enticing thing for me to work on because I already know it. I know what it's going to look like. So it's probably a lesson here about already receiving the reward of the finished feature by like writing fake code and just seeing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just seems like the work itself is an eventuality. Like it's just a matter of me sitting down and writing the code, putting to code what is already in my head which isn't extremely fun. Again, it is, I do love programming things like that. So it is when I get into it because I'd love the act of programming. But the things that are really exciting to me and the things I want to work on are the impossible things. So I'll, I'll throw one at you. Like here's an impossible thing in Livewire. We'll, we'll talk about slots. Should we make that a separate episode? Yeah, I'll rec- we'll talk about slots next actually because a lot of people want slots. Um, 
but okay, here's uh, here's an impossible one view optimization. So like blade view optimization, um, it would be great if Livewire was smart enough to know that every time it does an update, a new Livewire request, if when it renders the new Livewire page to change the page, if it only sends over the wire the difference between what's currently loaded on the page and what it has changed since last render. So if you have a Livewire page, let's say that, you know, the counter example, classic counter, like you hit plus, 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 Instead of sending the entire HTML back every time, wouldn't it be cool if Livewire was smart enough to know that, oh, the number's the only thing that changed. So why send all the HTML over the wire? Why don't I just send the changed number? Phoenix LiveView is smart enough to do this. It's actually incredible. And I'll talk to Chris McCord about how he does this, and he thinks that it's sort of possible for Livewire in a small way, like a smaller version that's not as smart. And so anyway, I've been like, this is one that is so enticing to me. My brain just wants to think about it. And and so I have like three separate branches that are just playgrounds for me to toy with this, this uh, feature and possibility. And uh, I'll say that it's look, it's pretty unlikely. Like (laughs) the thing with Phoenix live view, the big advantage that Chris has is that Chris McCord is the creator of Phoenix live view, which is adjacent to live wire. They're very similar in a lot of ways. I was inspired by Phoenix Live View to make Livewire. So Phoenix is like Laravel. So Chris McCord wrote Phoenix. So he's the creator of Phoenix and Live View. So he owns both. He's created both. It's like me with Livewire and Alpine because I own both. I can do a lot of nice things. But he owns Live View and Phoenix. Not only that, he is like very close with the creator of Elixir, which is the language that Phoenix runs on. Um and uh yeah jose valum or valim or whatever um he is the creator of elixir and he does a ton of work for on live view uh so i guess i'm i'm out of time here but i am sort of friends with taylor i guess and we talk but you know we're not pair programming every day and uh taylor is maybe has some connections with php people but it's not like them so so if phoenix live view can get th- phoenix live view can get stuff into both phoenix and elixir itself to make it fancy and i can't do anything close to that so i have to improvise so anyway i hope you enjoyed this rambling let's talk about slots next